This was a tale that told itself simply and well. No more, no less. Love the book. It's brilliant. It's, it's amazing to read. But you have to be a reader to really appreciate. I read the book a few times. Gee, Geordie, this was a great theme to pick. Nice way to start. Yeah. And uh, it really shook a few um, um, apples from the tree that I didn't know were there. And that that's really exciting that some books I thought had been forgotten, some names I thought had been forgotten popped up. Now, we have listed the top 10 readers, uh, listeners' picks. So your top 10 books are on the blog. The blog address is abc.net.au slash sydney and click on mornings. And there you'll see the top 10 picks that you've suggested. But the list was massive. I think we must have had, well, we certainly had in excess of, well, probably close to 80 suggestions. Yeah, and but look, there, there were some real sort of thickening at the top end, wasn't there? Um, it was fairly obvious um, who was, you know, um, right at the top end and that to have Ruth Park having two books right up there is is quite extraordinary achievement and a really lovely thing given that you know she died in the sleep age 93 in Mossman only a few months ago um and playing Beady Bow got top place which is absolutely splendid it is splendid among the other the other Ruth Park book that also was in second place actually was Half in the South and I mean everybody loves that book too I think we should ad- admit at this point that like many of our greatest um, Australians she is a New Zealander <laughs> <laughs> Coming out of crowded house, that's probably um, uh, quite appropriate. But she was one of those people who, she grew up in Depression era New Zealand. Her dad had to really graft to keep the family together. And although she got a partial scholarship to high school in NZ, there were periods where she just had to leave. She couldn't afford to go to school. So I think when she and her um, husband ended up you know, living for a period of time in very straightened circumstances, it should be said, um, in Surrey Hills. She knew this world and she wasn't writing from outside it. She was writing from within it. And I think that that really glows through books like Harp in the South. Now, um, your suggestions, you can still wiggle your way into this list with a good idea. one three hundred triple two seven zero through 702 through 702. Kerry, good morning. Oh, good morning. How are you? Good, thanks, Kerry. What book do you think rates up there as a great book about Sydney? Well, the author that um, I was thinking about um, is Peter Doyle, um, who, um, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Ruth Parks, um, but Peter Doyle um, wrote a, uh, two or three books uh, set in Sydney uh, in the late 50s, mid to late 50s. Um, people, you know, probably... Um, read them. I, I certainly have. Um, I'm not sure that... You know, I was listening to the radio this morning and I'm not sure that, um, you know, there's been mentioned because I haven't had a look at the list yet. Yeah, no, uh, he's uh, not in the top ten. Which one do you like? I like Amaze Your Friends. Okay. Um, basically, he covers the early rock and roll scene, uh, the uh, inner city scene uh, in the 50s uh, when you know, Sydney was a vastly different place. Um, some of the characters are kind of shady. There's a you know edgy underbelly aspect, and uh, there's a you know certainly a musical, uh, very interesting musical aspect. I would um, you know I would suggest it to people that like a good read about 
uh, the way Sydney used to be. Thank you very much. And it's interesting, Geordie, that um, several of the books that were suggested by readers fell into the non-fiction area um, as well. So histories of Sydney. There's even a book of maps that was suggested. I thought these looked amazing. And I was really glad to see some non-fiction here. But the one you're talking about, it's called Sydney Takes Shape, a history of maps. Paul Ashton and Duncan Waterson put it together. And I really like that idea that you can tell a story through image in that way and certainly we're a city with kind of an odd history of accretions of 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 shifting outwards from the harbour then coming back in we're sort of tidal in the way we've developed so I'm sure that that is a wonderful book but The Colony by Grace Carskins uh, prize winning book as well Um, we've got What Contention there Sydney Harbour a History by Ian Hoskin Um, The Push by Julia Lawrenson I think that there's as much scope here for great non-fiction books about the city as, as fiction now you were you played um, uh, a rather cheeky game with the revelations about your top ten. You trip, dripped them out ever so slowly on the blog, and you left number one vacant. In your assessment, what is your number one pick f- as a book about using Sydney as the backdrop? Well, this was a tough one because uh, you want I wanted to avoid the obvious contenders um, without without actually not, you know, dealing with the book that I really did believe was a a beautiful evocation of Sydney. So I came up finally with um, Patrick White's favourite Australian novel, which is called Tomorrow and Tomorrow. And it did actually pop up um, uh, the author, M. Barnard Eldershaw, or authors, as those in the know know, um, popped up for A House is Built, which is a wonderful historical novel of early Sydney, and this one which was uh, a a novel written in the late 40s, but was not actually published in its unexpurgated um, form until 1985 because it's a utopian science fiction novel that was written from very much a a, a period of, I'd say, kind of social ferment and unrest. Um, And I think its political implications were considered a bit, um, you know, um, not so great. So Tomorrow and Tomorrow is a science fiction novel that has that set several hundred years in the future in a Sydney that has actually been um, excavated by um, people who've come after us, the third people. And it opens with quite an eerie scene where Rainer Hoff's brooding Anzac is disinterred from the earth. And one of these future people um, embeds in the pages of this futuristic story a novel of 20th century Sydney, uh, a a kind of piece of Depression-era social realism. And it is as magnificent an evocation of Sydney as you're likely to get. Goodness gracious. Rosemary, what did you like? Which book do you like? Hello there. Um, I wanted to mention Come In Spinner by Dimfna Cusack and Florence James. That is on our list. That's in our top ten. Oh, is it? Yes, number it three. Is. It's number three. Why do you like it? Uh, well, I've actually got a copy. My mother had it. It was printed in 1951, and I, I was Melbourne-born, but um, it was a book when I was about 20 that I read and just fell in love with this, the women of Sydney in the 40s and through the wartime. And then I had a venue in Balmain Loft in, um, in Balmain, and I met, the, I met um, the granddaughter of Florence James, and then I met Florence herself just before she died. Wow, Michael. Yay. Michael, what book did you what book do you want to recommend? They're a weird mob. They're a weird it, mob. Now is that a Sydney story? It's very much so. Nino Colotta. Yes. It it made the list as well. A little bit further down, but it was oh, there. there you go. I, I'll need to read a newspaper sometime. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you very much, Thank Michael. You. Great. Um, Beryl, good morning. Good morning. Beryl, what do you, which book would you recommend as a great read about Sydney? Uh, the A Life on Pitwater oh. by Susan Duncan. Now, Susan Duncan's name cropped up in dispatches. Salvation Creek was That's another right. one that people also and recommended. A, a house on Salvation Creek. Ah, yes. yes. So, so yours is a life on Pitwater. That's right. What is it about, Beryl? Well, and actually, it's it's all about that era and that area at least, and various places on it. And but the, it's the uh, photography, the colour plates, and so on are absolutely beautiful. And um, I, I, I look at it for that mainly because I'm very ancient. <laughs> doesn't sound like you're ancient to me. Thank you very much for joining in, Beryl. Much appreciated. It's great. The book club has so many different members and people take up a book for all sorts of great reasons. Elizabeth, in, good morning. Much appreciated. Hey, hey Elizabeth, we'll, you'll have to turn your radio down, Elizabeth. We've got a bad feedback problem there if you could possibly do that. Geordie, um, that's the other thing that's come through this, the great depth and breadth of Sydney's readers. Uh, one of the things I despaired about early was that there, there weren't enough newish writers not enough writers working today in Sydney in the list. But then that sort of repaired itself. I was glad. I think it did. And what's interesting that came out, and unfortunately he just slipped off the list because people spoke of Peter Corus's novels rather than specific books. But genre fiction seems to be the place where people are, are the, the city is a backdrop. And I think we all know from Corus, if we had a kind of, a Sydney laureate. It'd have to be him because he gets that kind of the over bright sun, the hard shadows, the slightly seedy, creepy, menacing aspect of the city, which is there along with many other. But um, yeah, no, look, uh, it, it's it is such a dramatic place, uh, and so many writers have done it well. But I did think there was a lot of nostalgia in this list. I would love to have seen stories um, more recently about newer arrivals. Might to have Sydney. a perfect one, um, Rebecca. Hello. Rebecca, you've got a brand new suggestion. Oh, I have, and it, I must admit it's written by my gorgeous friend, Ashley Hay. It's called The Body in the Clouds. And it's about three people in their relationship with a place in Sydney, that being Dawes Point and the Bridge. Well, that, that, that was one of my books of the summer that I wrote up. I think it's a really wonderful novel and you're completely right. I, I tended to, the stuff that's immediately been published, I thought it was probably getting its own kind of um, attention, but it is a really marvellous novel. It will work its way into history and we'll all be speaking about it as if it was written by Ruth Park in the future. Listen, we will. That author has got a lovely friend in you, Rebecca. <laughs> Thank you very much. So that book to look out for is The Body in the Clouds. Because I was so concerned about um, the absence of new books, I totted off to the uh, off to my local bookstore. They recommended a book, which I haven't actually got around to reading, called Dry Dock, which is set in Balmain by an author called Cathy Cole. Apparently an absolutely riveting and um, contemporary read. And another one that I read was Strawberry Hills Forever. That was Vanessa Berry's book, which is sort of a collection of short stories. But her uh, the way she writes about um, you know trawling through... Uh, Vinnie's looking for bargains is just so real. Kathy, it's so Sydney. Kathy has lived in uh, that part of the world for a long time. She's a professor of 
creative writing at RMIT in Melbourne and UTS in Sydney. And she knows that that part of the world, like the back of her hand. So you know when you open up a cold novel set in that part of the world, she's got it down to the square foot. Now, you also included, of course, a previous um, book of the month, Tiralira by the River. No, that was the was Jessica Anderson was out. We 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 spot, we remembered Jessica Anderson a, a few months ago, but I think Tiralira is a beautiful book because it it is the a, a novel by a woman who had escaped from her home, and she writes very beautifully about Brisbane in disguise form in Tiralira. But it's a love letter to Sydney, and particularly to a particular part of Sydney, to Elizabeth Bay. Um, and during a period where it was fairly faded and bohemian and broken down and a place where the kind of the people who didn't fit in anywhere else sort of accumulated. I think it's very special for that. Jill, good morning. Oh, hi, Deborah, Geordie. Um, I was hoping to bring to your attention another Ruth Park book, oh, yes. um, which is a non-fiction one. And uh, it's significant to me because it's, it was given to me when we first moved to Sydney. And I now endeavour to get a copy for anybody else who moves to Sydney. It's called Ruth Parks, Sydney. And um, it provides the history behind each of the major harbourside areas as they developed from the eastern suburbs through to Mossman, um, the inner west, Lane Cove, and it's a fascinating read. Is it uh, a picture book? No. Look, when when the 2000 Olympics came around, there was a race to republish books about Sydney. And I remember working in a bookshop at the time and Ruth Park, Sydney outsold them all. Duffy and Snellgrove did a new edition, which is hopefully still around. Um, it is one of the great Sydney books. Thanks so very that's a much. Wonderful for, suggestion. Thanks so much for suggesting that, um, Jill. And there's others on on our the top ten list, the the um, the sort of um, people's list. Some people also included the Bryce Courtney book Matthew Flinders' Cat, which I, I mean, some and a couple of nominees actually were saying, "I'm sorry for I don't really like Bryce Courtney, but I really like this book." Is it Trim? Trim, who's, yes. who you see lurking at the back of Flinders' statue outside the Mitchell Library. Wasn't he eaten by the French? <laughs> the French would. I don't know, fricassee. I haven't, I haven't read the book. Can we please, if anyone can tell us whether the cat was eaten by the French, I'd like to know. So now the top books um, from uh, the, the people's list, the people's choice, the top book was um, Playing Beatty Bow by Ruth Park and then Harp in the South. Then there was Come In Spinner. Then The Secret River, Leviathan, that's uh, John Birmingham's book, Matthew Flinders' Cat by Bryce Courtney, Looking for Alabrandi, um, Melina Marchetta, and The Old School by P.M. Newton was at uh, number eight. Number nine was Indelible Ink, that's the tattoo story by Fiona McGregor, and Seven Poor Men of Sydney by Christina Stead. Geordie, your top ten? All right, okay. My top ten, slightly different. Um, Ten, Jonah by Lewis Stone um, from 1911. Number nine, Low Rent by John Clare, published in 1997. At number seven, The Watchtower by Elizabeth Harrower. Uh, number six, Muck by Craig Sherborne. Uh, number five, Seven Poor Men of Sydney by Christina Stead. So I think my only moment of overlap. The Chantic Bird by David Ireland. Tiralira by The River. And number two, The Vivisector by Patrick White. And number one? Oh, number one, Tomorrow and Tomorrow by M. Barnard Eldershaw. That's fantastic. Now, next time, we're going to be looking for books that are the funniest books that you've read. Your best comic novels, the ones that made you laugh. They don't have to be novels, but 
just give it to us. We need a laugh. Boy, do we need a laugh. We We're do. anticipating having survived an election campaign by the end of next month. So, it's great <laughs> so month we'll be needing novels. a month. We'll definitely need a laugh that month. So your best comic novels, your best comic reads. That's the task for next month's book club.